conversion stories. That's what we're going to be doing occasionally on this podcast, Um, wanting you to consider them, wanting you to think about just how uh, important they are and the joy that they bring to us as we share our own and as we listen to others. Um, So this is going to become a bit of a regular part of our podcast, and it'll literally just say conversion story, and then it'll have a name. Today's name, Steve Broadway. He's been working at Sunnybrook for quite a while, um, leading us in worship in so many different ways, and often with a guitar in his hand. Um, But worship is so much more than that, and he is going to share about what it means to come to faith and his faith in Jesus, and exactly how uh, he came to be the man that God has made him to be. I hope this uh, conversion story is a blessing and an encouragement and a challenge to you. Enjoy. Steve, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Good. (laughs) Otherwise, this would be a really awkward conversation. Well, I was just going to say, you know, being our our worship leader, pastor, I'm just going to tell you, I'm so glad you answered that question. Not going to have to have that conversation with the elders (laughs) after 16 years at the church. But we're going to do a lot more than that, actually. Um, And and yet, what I what I really love to think about is just the simplicity of both the question and the answer. Um, There was a great theologian one time that was asked, "What's some of the deepest thoughts you've ever had?" And he said, "Oh, probably." Oh, what's the, it's the, it's the famous, no, but it's the famous, uh, not, not, it's not nursery rhyme, but, um, can't help you out. Jesus, this, I know, uh, Jesus Jesus, loves me. That's okay. Boy, oh boy. And we're not even going to, we're not even going to redo that. I just literally had a brain (laughs) malfunction. Jesus loves me. This, I know for the Bible tells me so. And it was A.W. Tozer who made that comment that it was one of the deepest thoughts that he had. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that the most important question that you can probably ever been, have have ever asked or even to answer is, do you believe in Jesus? And so, um, I want to hear more about that. I want to hear about, uh, what did that actually look like in terms of your coming to faith? So go, and then I'll, I'll ask questions along the way and I'll, uh, I'll I'll kind of redirect as, um, as, as needed. I mean, there's some conventional aspects to it and some unconventional aspects to it. When my parents were still married in the late fifties and early sixties, we attended Baptist temple. In Houston, so okay. I have I have photos of me wearing the little robe in the second grade choir, and you know I heard the gospel. I'm sure at, at that Baptist church in Houston. When they divorced, um, I think it was, I was five years old, and then ultimately we moved to Tulsa. And at the divorce in Houston, with your mom, right? Yeah, my mom. Yeah, you moved and with so your mom. the church pretty well shunned them both. So church just came to an end hmm. in Houston. Wow, divorce was just. And, you know, not a thing anybody was going to tolerate. It was a pretty blunt, harsh response from okay. what I understand from my parents. Yep, yep. So they became very alienated. But I guess my mom thought it was the right thing to do to keep my sister and I in church for a while. So we went to Brookside Baptist in, in Tulsa. I think it's at 41st and Peoria. And I was seven years old in a Sunday morning service. And for some reason, this equation, I still remember the equation, Jesus equals eternal life. I, that just boom, like a neon sign in my brain. And I'm tugging on my mom's skirt to want to go down. We'd never talked about it. And she just, she told me later on in life, there was just a real urgency. So I let you do it. So I walked down, I marched down by myself at seven in this adult (laughs) Baptist service. 
And I remember this giant pastor uh, leaning down and asking me some questions. And I think it was that night we came back to church that night and I was baptized. Okay. I don't remember one. Jesus equals eternal life. That was it. Again, but think of the simplicity of it, right? Yeah. Okay. And I knew, somehow I knew at at seven that, man, I got to have that. And really didn't understand one tiny shred of the implications of any of it. Yeah. I don't know where this is going, but I'm on the journey. I did it. And uh, I don't remember even really going to church much after that. I don't remember a single conversation with any adult about the meaning of it. I had no understanding of what it meant to live it out, right? So uh, as I go through school and, you know, I'm in junior high and high school and become very wayward in in high school, but I always had a conscience about knowing that things were right and wrong, even though I did a lot of things that were wrong. If I was ever confronted or caught, I was, you know, I felt very bad about it. Um, But did not have um, family pressures. No. To be a faithful follower of Jesus. So you're you're somewhat, yeah, you're on your own, right? You're literally on my your mom's, own. My mom smoked marijuana with me when I was in high school. So okay. It's like okay. she just, she had no idea how to raise a son. Okay. She, okay. I mean, honestly, she she did her best. She, was, sure. she loved fiercely. She just did not know. Okay. And was not following. Okay. And had no faith. And my dad, okay. who was married to my stepmother, still living in Houston, was very removed from my life. Um, okay. He was a guy on the phone once a week. He paid child support. I mean, he cared at whatever level he could and stayed involved in whatever way he could. And I still remember in high school longing for him to give me some sort of direction. And even when I would ask, and I think this is common among divorced fathers out of fear of rejection, he would not tell me what to do, hmm. even when I wanted him to. Hmm. And I'm, and he'd been on his own since he was 13. He had no idea sure. how to raise a son. Sure. And neither did my mom. So you've got this conscience that's not coming from a family it's not coming yeah. from and you weren't attending church at all no gosh. okay not so, since not since i was probably eight years old okay so there was something going on in me i think with the holy spirit that i didn't understand and sure. you know when people would would misuse the name of jesus or i remember seeing graffiti at the junior high with jesus's name somehow involved i always had a sensitivity to that it mm. bothered me uh but it didn't stop me from x y and z you yeah know? yeah <laughs> kind of going with the flow uh, sure now there were things I was uncomfortable with the parties in junior high. I'd go to parties and look around and go, I don't, I don't belong here. I don't sure. feel comfortable here. Sure. But then of course, I think most everybody who knows me would realize I was a rock and roll musician, and ultimately I did that, which you <laughs> I know, got used to it. Came all <laughs> came along with a lot of baggage. Yeah. And, sure. Uh, a lot of sinful behavior. Sure. Um. At some point, and here's where it starts to get bizarre. I read starts a, to get well. Maybe that. Maybe what. Maybe what I'm telling. No, but I mean, I, I, I do. I love. You know, it's interesting how. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to have a number of these conversations with people, right? It's yeah. interesting how um, I, I'm expecting to see a common theme of things happening that I'm taking steps of faith that I'm not fully understanding what's happening and that God is revealing this and that God is protecting me here, that God is using the spirit to do this. I mean, I'm just, I believe that with so many different starting places and so many different stops along the journey, there's going to be a lot of road signs that are going to look familiar. And there's going to be a lot of sites that are going to just sound like, wait a second, I wasn't the only one who was here before. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, I think the beauty of it. And that's kind of one of the reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I just love hearing your story. So, so I'm, keep going. Well, I'm totally convinced that God was with me, watching me, protecting me from myself, yep. really, in yep. a lot of ways. Yep. Um, so 
go to college at the University of Tulsa. I'm a music education major for a year, but the band we're in is getting really, really busy. So three of us drop out of college and just start playing full time. That that went on for a few years. And then I, I encountered this series of books by a, a UCLA anthropologist called Carlos Castaneda. And in the New Age mystical movement, he was he's very well known there. Okay. Which I didn't know anything about that. Never I never heard of I him. I just read this book. Man, there's no reason you would have. It's probably better that you haven't. <laughs> and he he documents what is largely viewed as a fictional account of encountering a man of knowledge or a sorcerer or a, a Yaqui Indian sorcerer okay. in his anthropo- anthropological work in northern Mexico. And they use peyote. There's hallucinogenics involved. And I remember becoming extremely enamored with this idea that Enlightenment wouldn't have been the word, but it was finding a way. It was a, you know, it was a spiritual journey, and sure. it, I was just enamored with that. What year is this? Who this would have been in nineteen seventy eight, okay, ish, somewhere okay. around there. Yep, yep. So it, it, it's somewhat fitting for the times. It's it's yeah. near the tail end when that was really kind of a big deal. Yeah. But it's it's somewhat of the I would say even like almost like a cultural mood university campus-ish kind of a scenario. Yeah. So Yeah, and, and the New Age movement was was flourishing and all over the yep, place. Yep, yep. And I was even aware of that terminology and some of that thinking at the time. And I remember this deep longing to encounter a mentor like this Yaqui Indian sorcerer. Uh, and so I don't, and I try not to draw conclusions about how faith works and because there's stuff that goes on in the spiritual realm that I don't understand. And I'm not yeah. one that says, oh yeah, demon that yeah, and, yeah. and God yeah, this. I'm yeah. to try to, I try to be careful not to do that. But a guy ends up joining the band who, uh, a drummer, I end up, uh, rooming with him in his home. The band kind of splits up and we form a different thing. And this guy begins to kind of fulfill the role. Wasn't the Beatles, was it? It was not the Beatles. Okay. We did. <laughs> oh boy. Should I even talk about this? Some buddies of mine and I formed a band that played at a strip club in Tulsa for a while on the weekends. We hated it. And so we called ourselves the Beagles. Oh, wow. And, and, okay. and wore sunglasses, and we didn't want anybody to know what we were doing. <laughs> it was terrible. After doing that, it was paid well, but after a while, we were just like, we can't do this anymore. So we, yeah. we just quit. I couldn't yeah. do it. It was horrible. Yeah. 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 So that's the closest I ever come to being in a band named something like the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. It's, I yeah, don't even want to think about that. So... So this guy begins to introduce me to, to hallucinogenic drugs and some things that sort of reflected some of what I had read about in the books. And I remember asking him something like, Josh, what did it, what did it for you? And he says to me, Jesus Christ. And, and that was it, right? And then we move on and just do what we're doing. But in that moment, the whole, something turned me inside out. I mean, the Holy Spirit turned mm. me inside out. I got my hands on a Bible and read it cover to cover. I was probably reading it three hours a day. I devoured the Bible while like still... Genesis to Revel... Like, did yes. you literally start at the beginning and then go through it? I okay. read it cover okay. to cover, straight through. Wow. Intensively and hours a day, while at the same time still being led down the path of these hallucinogenic drugs, not part of a church or any kind of Christian fellowship or anything. And so... And I remember one evening at this house, this, he, he lit some candles and put the satanic mass on. It was a, you know, it was vinyl. And about five minutes in, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like this. So he, he stopped it. He wasn't going to push it. But something spiritually dark was going on. Uh, and this is where things get a, a little bizarre, that God would use him to witness to the name of Jesus to me, and yet his intentions were evil with me. Sure. I, I'm convinced there, there was demonic activity going on. There was a moment I can recall when we were traveling, playing somewhere, that he told me, hey, this is going to happen. And we were on some hallucinogenic drug. Tell me when it does. 
and it happened this fizz and pop the sound he described and then it was as if these huge dark wings were on top of me and i didn't tell him what was going on and i think that was the holy spirit protect i don't know if satan was like we're going to steal this guy sure. so like i don't know yeah. something very dark and foreboding spiritually was going on in that moment um and so god god can use anything sure. or anybody that he chooses to use sure. and that that's so weird about when i look back at what happened that uh, and it, I, I had i've had other encounters where well not a lot a couple where i would ask a question and someone spoke the truth even though, even though they were it's like they were spitting it out sure and i think yeah they that, weren't they weren't witnessing you like in, in a, what we would consider to be like a good way, no. but it was a still a witness to you of the truth. When I think yeah. of the demons submitting, when encountering Jesus having yeah. to say, you are this, they knew who he was yeah. and they had to s- declare the truth. I'm convinced that in the, in the face of a Holy Spirit inhabited Christian, yeah. a demon must speak the truth yeah. when asked directly a question. Because yeah. I've a couple yeah. of times I've had that experience, uh, I think. Yeah. Right. It no. Seemed, yeah. To the best of your understanding. Way. No. To the best I get of my it. Understanding, I get it. These were not Christian motivated people. Sure. But when I asked this one guy, uh, it's a long story. We won't get on in here. Uh, about what is the truth? He said it's in the Christian bleeping Bible, and he said it like he was spitting something that tasted bad out of his mouth. And I just thought he had to. He he was forced to speak <laughs> the truth in the answer to that question. He had to say it. Yeah. It didn't very, want to say it, but he had. He to didn't say want to say it. it, but he had to say it. Um, so. I eventually, you know, came to my senses, moved home. Uh, Patty and I reconnected. She just lived two houses down from where my mom's home was. And we began to How get old in. were you? Nineteen, mm, twenty. Yeah, probably 20 by, now, by then. Okay. So it was late, late, late teenage years and going into my 20s. So got involved in a kind of a halfway house ministry. The leadership was mm, not, uh, there were some issues. So then we started going to Tulsa Christian Fellowship, which was a very, very charismatic uh, fellowship, and then not long after that, we started going to church at Evangelistic Temple, where Patty grew up. And I would describe that as a mildly charismatic, uh, mildly word of faith influenced fellowship, full of wonderful, wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful, godly That's Christian awesome. people that just wanted to honor the Lord with their lives. Um, and we formed some incredible lifelong friendships as we we were all having children, we were all young marrieds, and that really that really started us down a healthy. Christian journey. So um, I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, I'm sure there's some things missing. <laughs> no, no, but but I guess go back and help me find the connection. So you make a confession. You are united with Christ in baptism. That would be the seven-year-old thing. Yep. Yeah. You then uh, have convictions, but literally living your life apart from oh, totally. any any kind of a narrow road <laughs> analogy. No awareness that, yeah, any of that. You get involved in a rock band. Yeah. And get involved in hallucinating and doing mm. so intentionally. Oh yeah. There's these is is there is there a moment in which it's like a I mean so explain it seems like a very like it's one t- in one sense gradual and in another sense mm-hmm. stark yep. realization. So so which is it? Is it is it a gradual realization is it a stark is it a little bit of both like explain to me how you move from the rock band weird things happening in your head to so anyway i have these christian friends at our church and and we're really we're really experiencing biblical community it just seems like you know what i mean it seems like there's supposed to be a revival in there somewhere the recognition of jesus as the answer was stark and profound 
and it did set me down the path of just devouring the Bible. Okay. The, the realization that my circumstances were goofed up was a gradual thing. Okay. So it took six months maybe for me to go, okay, I think this is not, I don't, I shouldn't be here. And so I moved home and then Patty and I reconnected and, and we gradually began to get involved in Christian community. Okay. And it took us a while to find Christian community that we thought was a good fit and was healthy. And, sure, sure. And all of that. So the progression from him saying Jesus Christ to me being home and getting back into school and being, that was probably a year okay. of beginning to come to an understanding that, oh, this there's implications here. And then are you, are you, um, leaving behind like aspects like tell me about what it was like so is is it a conviction yeah i probably can't be in this rock band is it a conviction yeah i probably shouldn't be involved in these recreational beha- like yeah. walk through the sanctification yeah, process you know what i'm saying yeah yeah the, the when i moved home or is it patty going yeah you're not hanging out with those guys anymore. no 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 it was all very internally driven okay okay um i did reconnect with the guys in the band it was it had personnel had changed a little bit and so i thought well okay well I'll go play. And I, I do remember a night in Fayetteville, Arkansas, at a at a bar, I forget the name of the bar, looking around and just going. And, and the guys in the ministry, we originally, Patty and I started getting involved with, said, you need to quit the band. Hmm. I was like, ah, I can't, these guys are my brothers. We've been doing mm-hmm. this for you know five years. I love mm-hmm. these guys. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't bring myself to do it. Sure. And one night I looked around and I was just like, I, we're just leading these people straight into hell. I can't do this anymore. I could see the darkness in the yeah, bar and what yep, was going on. Yep, yep. The Holy Spirit just crushed me in that moment. And I think I packed my guitar and went home the next day. I don't even remember talking to the guys about it. I think they could see it on me. Like, mm. oh, he's done. He's out. And that was it for that. In terms of, like, smoking marijuana or any of that stuff, the Lord just took it away. I didn't fight it. I didn't I didn't make a decision. I didn't sure. do it anymore. Sure. So that was never, ever a struggle. Um, yeah, so I had forgotten about that moment with the band where – yeah, it just had to have been a Holy Spirit conviction that shut that thing down. And I packed my guitar, and I did not get it out for at least a year. Because for me, the guitar was associated with all that uh, living that was wrong. And then in fear and trepidation, I opened it up a year later in a Christian context and began sort of playing in praise and worship setting, real informal praise and worship settings. And then ultimately got involved with the worship ministry at the church Patty and I attended for probably 11 years in Tulsa. Um, which was really old school, kind of Pentecostal out of the hymnal. And, yeah. But fun, upbeat. I played trumpet, not guitar. <laughs> yeah. Her dad was a trumpet player, so he and I would sit there on well, stage. And that's like your, that's your instrument, right? Trumpet was going through school and in college and all of that, yeah. Yeah. And I got it out a couple of years ago and tried to play, and Patty looked at me and said, I don't think you need to be doing that anymore. <laughs> well, you know what's funny <laughs> it's, is, is it's that— It's gone. Well, here, well, here's what's funny is I always think of you as a guitarist. Yeah, right and yeah. so and maybe you are maybe that's like your new best intro, uh, instrument or whatever well, i'm certainly more accomplished on the guitar than i ever was on the trumpet okay and but yeah. it's funny because i was watching you play the piano yesterday or uh, on saturday at yeah. rachel's ordination and yeah. you just seemed at ease at the you know and then i remember you played that tupperware instrument yes, that yes. that thing so i don't even know what that is but uh, i forget what it's called but yeah it's oh, so the, the melodica is it? Yeah, yes, the never tupperware even, never even, is the melodica. never even heard of it but you know you have all these different things that you're that you're interested mm-hmm. in and it's just kind of fun to watch. You know, it is interesting because like I've known you now for almost 20 years, right? Yep. So we've been, and I would say good friends, like yeah. close friends. Um, I, I knew that about you. So it's not like, it's not like I don't believe it. I, I really am fascinated by the fact that 
Um, and I, I say this to both to your credit. You've always shared. You've never been one to hide your your past, which I think is a healthy way. I want to talk about that here in a minute. Okay. I think it's a healthy way to truly deal with what God's love and what God's forgiveness and what God's patience is. So when you tell your story, there's no celebration of evil. There's no No. celebration of even worldly things, but we're also not going to hide from it. Mm -hmm. We're not going to, we're not going to pretend that that's not, that wasn't a part of my story that God redeemed that. Like God doesn't just redeem generic beings. He redeems people from real problems, real struggles, mm-hmm. real divorces, real disconnectedness to the church. Real, and, and, you know, he does all these different things. And yeah. so I find that to be um, very comforting because I just can't help but think as I look at you now and as I've known you, like, uh, I, I just, I, I guess I can't imagine that other Steve. If that makes sense. And sure. I, I say that to God's glory. I don't say that like in a disingenuine way, like, dude, you're different or um, you are different. And it really is like a work of the spirit. So talk a little bit about how, how you even either process that or been been grateful to God for that or how, you know, because you almost see, it, or I, I would assume, right, you see like almost this, I was and now I am. Oh, like I once was dead and now I am alive. I once was blind, but now I see. And not all of us have that experience. Yes, it was. There is a very stark contrast. There was a moment of turning, and then a progression of learning mm-hmm. that happened. And I, you know, I cringe when I think back on some of my behavior, particularly in high school, uh, because I was so blind to others and didn't realize it, but completely self-absorbed at the time. You know, socially adept. School was easy. I was class president, ninth, eleventh, and twelfth grade. I was popular. I was well-known. But I wouldn't say I had a lot of close friends. I had a lot of acquaintances. Okay. And the close friends were the guys in the band with me that we started the summer after my ninth grade year. Those really were my best friends by far. And I didn't date a lot of girls. I had three different girlfriends through that whole time growing up. And they all married guys named Bob after we broke up. I just realized that today as I was thinking about it. I I don't know what that means, but they all married a Bob. That's awesome. And then Patty married me. Uh, So... Yeah, I mean, I don't feel shame. I I do cringe a bit when I think about no. some of those things. Well, I know that you're even you were even. I, I I love the fact that you're not afraid to speak about it, but I think that as we tell our conversion stories, we do have to be careful that we don't somehow give the impression that these really broken aspects of our lives somehow didn't come with consequences and mm-hmm. that they weren't themselves even painful to us. So, you know, there really is a fine line. I just know a lot of conversion stories where we're almost celebrating the darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you do at all. So it's it's more of a, like, wow, isn't God good scenario. By far. And I've, yeah. I've never yep. wanted to yep. sensationalize sure. any, like the demon stuff and all that. Yep, yep. And living in a sort of a postmodern, naturalistic, uh, scientific culture, talking about the operation of confronting demons and all of that, I've never, I really have never talked about that, even to this extent before. Because I think it just sounds kind of bizarre to most people, and and I've not wanted to look like a guy who was bizarre or or, or sensationalizing my experience. Yep, no, and that's the other thing that I've appreciated about you is that you're really trying to be mindful. Yeah, yeah. But God used all of it. I mean, I look, and when all things work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, well, I didn't love Him much, but I do think I was called according to His purpose. Yeah. And He brought good things, even the even through the the use of you know the LSD and all of that. I'm convinced he made something good of all of it. I would never recommend 
any of it. Yeah, yep. It's it's dangerous. Yep. It's it's yep. unwise. Yep. It's yep. Yep. Uh, it's destructive. Yep. And if not for God, I would have ended up either dead or in jail or in a mental institution somewhere because that's where I was headed. Uh, but but the Lord never let go of me after that decision I made at seven. I'm convinced that He was protecting and guarding me, and He knew the end. Yeah. And He He took me through that journey even when I was really had no idea how I was supposed to live or how I should be making decisions or what it meant to be in, in Christian community. Uh, so yeah, it's a complete story of God just sovereignly doing that in me. And it's like when you say, you don't know, you know, the only explanation you have for why you can believe in him is because he enables you to do it. Yeah. yeah. That, that means yeah. a lot to me. I yeah. really identify with the fact yeah. that somehow the Lord did this in me and I don't deserve it, but wow. I mean, I am Full of gratitude yeah. for him, and it's in uh, what I when I even say that I'm, it's it's what I'm pushing through all of the things. Like I here's here here are some things that I've been thinking about, and so I believe. But but why do you choose belief instead of unbelief? And that's where I'm going. Yeah, I guess that that part I don't know the answer to. So I I know these things that compel me. I know these yeah. things that convict me. But in the end, in terms of but why didn't you just go to the other side? Like why didn't you just stay in the dark? Why didn't you just keep your eyes closed? Why didn't you choose to not believe instead of to believe? And that's where I'm going. I don't I don't know. And the Bible doesn't give me the you know the the option that goes well because you're smarter than other people <laughs> or that you're just naturally better than other people or you know it's because of your mom. No people had. Moms that were as or more spiritual than mine. People had dads that were as or more spiritual than mine. And I had no spiritual at all. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing. So, you know, one of the things that we want to do with these faith conversations is 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 to be able to kind of help people see. Well, well one of them is to celebrate what God has done in someone's life. And yeah. it's easy to do when, when, when you hear your story. But then also maybe to almost say, okay, I wonder if there are people around me that are kind of like Steve. And then what do I, what do I, what do I do? How do I... How do I interact? How does that even help me um, deal with, you know, sharing my faith and helping people around me? Because sometimes is that we're we're surrounded by people who aren't necessarily just like us. There are mm-hmm. lots of different people from lots of different circumstances. And as you're literally telling those stories, I'm a few years behind you, but I literally, I, I always wonder to myself, I wonder what I would have thought if I was watching you in high school. I wonder what I would have thought when I was watching you in the band. I wonder what it would have been like if if you were actually a, a student at OSU who was in a band and, you know, Drew and Scott or now Drew and Rachel and uh, Alec and, and Randy have a, have a relationship with you. And, you know, what kind of conversations are we having in our staff meeting on Monday about what's going on with Steve Broadway and how we wouldn't really get a sense of what really is going on sometimes. I mean, this is very humbling. So going back, can you think of anything um, that you could help us, I, I guess, think through? What, are, what would have been some helpful things for people to do along the path to not necessarily save you from a problem, but to assist you along the way? Yeah, you can't save anybody. You yes. can't argue, as I've heard yeah. you say before, you yeah. can't argue someone into the game. Yeah, it's, you can't. It's, not, it's not an argument, but you would also say, yeah, like I can... Help us think about like what when we meet the Steve Broadways. Trust the Spirit <laughs> above all else. Um, in my conversion story, it was so much a work of the Spirit, in spite of what was going on. Okay, and I've had a, a couple of occasions over the years to have had a conversation with someone, and then five years later, they'll say to me, "Man, you you said this to me, and it stuck with me." And it, for me, it was just some innocuous comment I made or some scripture I referred to. And I'm not some brilliant theologian witnessing mm. guy, 
Mm-hmm. That was the Holy Spirit taking a seed from something I'd said and planting it deep in somebody's heart. And God did that work. And mm-hmm. so trust that the Spirit will take the words you say and the decisions you make and the attitudes you display if you want to be God-honoring, and he'll use it how he sees fit. And so just be faithful in whatever way you know how and be willing to give an answer for the hope that you have, which is the biblical instruction. Yeah. Um, and, and God will use again he'll just use it as he sees fit you don't have to try hard yeah you uh, you know you just have to be faithful and don't worry or fret over whether you're doing enough or not doing enough uh be god honoring and trust god to do the work to work it out and he will and so we don't have to wring our hands or be afraid that you know uh one of the things i thought about as i was contemplating this conversation was that I was voted most likely to succeed my junior and senior year, which was a gift because it forced me to ask myself, what does it mean to be successful? And I came to this conclusion a long time ago. There's one fork in the road I'm going to face in my whole life. And it's when Jesus either says to me, mm-hmm. well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your master's rest or depart from me. I never knew you. Burn the rest of it down. Because that the definition of success is when you get to that fork in the road, yep. you hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. So, man, I hope my whole life is about looking forward to that moment yep. and having been faithful to the Lord and grateful to the Lord. And I'm just, I'm your unworthy servant and hear him say, yeah, enter my rest, not I never knew you. Um, so it's, it, is, it is really just to trust God and to be willing yeah. And my prayer recently has been, Lord, I'm not great. At, you know, I don't have a zillion stories about all these lost people I've been sharing the gospel with. And we're being challenged to think more about that recently. And we will be for some time now, which is good. So my prayer has been every day, Lord, uh, bring me opportunities, particularly with unbelievers, to, to share my faith and open my eyes to see the opportunities. Yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of yeah. times I don't see it. Yeah. Because I feel like I live in a Christian bubble. Yep. And all my friends are Christian. I work at a church. I, you know. So am I supposed to like witness to the checkout guy at the quick trip? Like what, you know, yep. th- that seems yep. goofy to me. Yep. Yep. Uh, here's my credit card. Do you know Jesus? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know, I've known people who do that and more power to them. But uh, so I am, I'm really recently asking God to, uh, to give me opportunity because I'm ready to, I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to share it. I'm not reluctant to tell someone my story. I just have to find opportunity. So I was introduced to a graduate student from Nepal at the, yeah. Block party, right? Yeah. You yeah. met her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Lydian brought her. And I, I remember being alert to the, I recognized pretty quickly, oh, she's not a believer. And it wasn't the time to say, hey, do you know, you know, but it was, hey, why don't you come Sunday? It'd be great. You know, I play guitar, it'd be fun. And, and began to engage thinking a little more strategically about yeah. my conversations with her. Yeah. So it's fun just to begin to under, to, just to experience the awareness of that is growing in me. And I love that. And I'm, I'm excited for the next whatever period of time to be able to share my faith. Yeah. No, that is that is just incredible. Um, any other tidbits of info that you... Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Seems obvious. No. It, well, I'll tell you. It, and yes, and, and I'll tell you, this is the part that everyone, I think, gets a little bit nervous about. Um, be careful to not overreact at the brokenness of the people around us. Um, so again, treat it with the appropriate concern that it warrants Sure, every step along the way. 
Um, it's 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 great as our sin, but greater still is the grace of God. Totally. And I, I just think that is so important for us to realize that mm-hmm. so often we can be um, so weighed down by or so burdened by or so concerned by that we don't see the kind of where this is leading. And I would say that, you know, the true things, the two things that I just, I, I think your story really helps me understand is that number one, that we can't just assume that every seven-year-old who makes a decision and then punts it for a long time after that is going to be fine. Like, that's not what you're saying. You're not going, no. you're, you're saying that's what happened to me, but yeah. you know, you're not, you're not for seven-year-olds making decisions. And then hopefully sometime after college, them come back around. Actually, I, I was thinking about this too. Uh, as I reflected on our conversation, the way we do orange here is phenomenal, right? So I didn't have that. I had nobody. Sure. So God sovereignly, sure. sovereignly protected and stayed with me. And he yep. filled the gap. Yep. Don't assume he's always going to fill the gap like that. Yeah. He does what he does, right? Yep. But I think uh, to shepherd your children, to disciple your children. It's what you did with yours. Yes. And that is the way. <laughs> that is the yeah. way. Yes. As they say in the Mandalorian, this is the way. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we should raise our children in the way they should go. And proverbially speaking, when they're old, they will not yeah. depart. Yeah. Yeah. But God can sovereignly overcome yep. The vacuum in which I was raised, yep. right? Yep. Um, and that's th- the beauty of it, right? Really, that's the celebration. So yeah. it really is. I think some people go, oh, you know, they'll figure it out. They're seven. And I'm going, no, <laughs> we need to be more intentional than that. Yes. And then some people are going, oh, yeah, this kid will never change. And I'm going, no, not true either. that's not true. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is a beauty to uh, to be surprised by and to find great joy and pleasure in the ongoing work of the Spirit through what we do as parents or through what we do as a church. And then realize that there are works that the Spirit is doing, and he does not. I always tell people, the Spirit has never asked me my opinion. He's never asked me in that sense for like some, when he ever asks me for help, it's not because he's helpless. It's because out of his kindness, he is involving me with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it really is kind of fun to think that as I'm going through my life and, and my path is very, very different than yours, that somehow um, if, if mine had a greater level of intentionality with church people and family people and yours didn't, you and I still kind of meet at this very, I would argue, at this same spot. Yep. And is that not just incredible? It is incredible. To the glory of God. The, the last thing I would say about my journey is that my family watched me marching down this road, and I'm sure they were extremely concerned. And then they saw me come out on the other side with faith, and my sister and both parents returned to the church. Hmm. And I never said, hey, you guys should, I mean, I didn't say anything to them about it. I was just living my life, and they saw hmm. me just light up full of the Spirit and, and go in a completely different, you know, repent, believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it affected them for the rest of their lives. So, it, yeah, it's just amazing. Dude, I am eternally grateful for your friendship, and uh, I'll, I, I hope I spend eternity thanking Jesus more than you because he's, he he's the one that did it in you. <laughs> but it is fun to think about just the joy that you have been to me and to so many others that would have never come about if the Lord hadn't uh, done this work in you. So thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. And I know this is going to be the first of many to come, uh, helping us understand what it means uh, to, quote, believe in Jesus. Yeah, it's going to be fun to hear these stories.